Morning, Vista. Thank you, Jordan, for leading us in worship and for that um, beautiful prayer. Well, my name is Mark Whitaker, and I have the privilege of serving as one of the elders here. And I just want to say that it is truly an honor uh, to get to share with you this morning. I'm really excited for the opportunity. And like we always say, if this is your first time here, we just want to make sure you feel loved, welcomed, and wanted. So I thought I would start off this morning with somewhat of a personal confession that only my immediate family knows about. I've had the same dream for over 32 years, the same recurring dream, same issue, same matter every time. And while the setting and a few details may differ, it's always the same issue. I am not yet married to my wife, Janet. And just as I'm entering into a nice REM cycle, some nameless, some faceless (laughs) adversary is trying to marry her instead, instead of letting me marry her. I'm pursuing her, but some guy with really good hair is getting in the way. Now, as my family can attest, this is all true, by the way. These characters are not necessarily true, but it's all true. I call these dreams jealous for Jana dreams. And I've asked myself, Mark, this doesn't make any sense. You've almost been married 30 years and they're worse now than ever. Why are you still having these dreams? Well, the conclusion I've come to is really pretty simple. I'm just jealous. I am. I am the jealous type. But I decided that being the jealous type actually puts me in some pretty good company. Because God repeatedly in the scripture refers to himself as a jealous God. Jealous for our love. Jealous for our time. Jealous to do life with us. And I like how this aspect of God's love peeks through in Revelation chapter 2 when Jesus addresses the church in Ephesus. So that's where we're going to be this morning. Revelation chapter 2. Turn in your Bible there, look on your app, we'll have it here on the screen. But first, a little context. The city of Ephesus was obviously an ancient city known for its wealth, but also a very pagan city, a city of commerce and a city of tourism. We know that Paul preached there for three years, wrote the book of Ephesians back in around AD 62, but 30 years have elapsed, and now we have John writing the book of Revelation And Jesus, here in chapter 2, addressing the church in Ephesus. So reading out of the NASB, let's pick up from there. Verse 2, Jesus speaking to them. I know your deeds and your labor and perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. And you have put those who call themselves apostles to the test, and they are not, and you have found them to be false. And you have perseverance. And have endured on account of my name and have not become weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. The New Living Translation says verse 4 like this. You don't love me or each other the way you did it first. First love. Don't love me or each other the way you did it first. Well, in all frankness, I can see myself in that. I see myself 
like the Ephesians, that I may be struggling with Jesus saying to me, Mark, you don't love me like you did at first. You don't love others like you did at first. But hey, certainly Jesus commends them for doing a lot of things right, right? They're, they're busy working for the Lord. They're persevering during very challenging times. They're not tolerating evil, perhaps even standing up against injustice. And they're calling out heresy. All very important things to be sure. But when we study scripture, we always pay attention to the but, right? But despite all those, what Jesus says that he misses is that they don't love him or others like they did at first. He applauds their obedience. He applauds their faith. He applauds their knowledge. But what he misses is their love and not just any love, first love. It's as if he's saying, Mark, I miss the way you used to love me. Mark, I miss the way you used to love others. Well, here's a question. What does losing first love look like in human relationships? Well, perhaps some words that come to mind. Dull. Distracted. Bored. Perhaps even ungrateful. Well, we have to ask ourselves, what does losing first love for Jesus look like? Very similar, if we're honest. It lacks passion. Maybe it's just mechanical, more form over substance. It's very dutiful, very comfortable, very routine, perhaps. When I lose first love for Christ, I can become busy and distracted. Proud, perhaps, even self-righteous. I can lack empathy. Essentially, I love something or someone more than I love Jesus. And because I love Jesus less, I don't love others as well. Okay, but the good news. The good news is that God is madly in love with us. God is jealous for us. Just like I'm jealous for my first love, God is overwhelmingly jealous for us as his first love. As Austin put it last week, the good news of the gospel is not that we are accepted because we are good. The good news of the gospel is that we are accepted because we are loved, right? You got to read Psalm 139, 17 and 18. It says this, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them all. They outnumber the grains of sand. God loves us so much. I love what Tim Keller says. God sees us as we are, loves us as we are, accepts us as we are, but by his grace does not leave us where we are. Amen? So with that in mind, let's return to chapter two in Revelation and pick up where we left off in verse four. So verse four, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. The New Living Translation. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. But we know another way to understand repent is rethink. So together, let's remember and rethink and return to what we did at first, to the love we had at first. So say this with me. Remember. Remember. 
Repent, rethink, and return. That's kind of catchy, isn't it? Remember, repent, rethink, return. So that's what we're going to do today. And so to really understand first love, I want us to, to own the attributes of first love. All right? First, D is for devoted. When first love is devoted, it's all in. It's committed. It's loyal. It's burned the bridges. It's in it for the long haul. Romans 14.8 says it like this. For if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. It's all in. When first love is devoted, it's sacrificial. Who else has been to Washington, D.C.? Oh, man, we love Washington, D.C. What a great city. Just this past January, Jan and I were there with our daughter, Grace. And, of course, when you go to Washington, D.C., one of the things you must see is the Lincoln Memorial, right? And so as we ascended those steps and entered the Lincoln Memorial, you turn to the north wall and you see inscribed in stone there Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. And you'll read these words. From these honored dead, we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave their last full measure of devotion. Isn't it only fitting that on Memorial Day, we look at devotion as an attribute of love, especially devotion that's born out in sacrifice? All right, picture with me. The place, the beaches of Normandy. The year 1944. It's the morning of June 6th. Teddy Roosevelt Jr., the eldest son of President Theodore Roosevelt, at the age of 56, with nothing but a pistol and a cane, is unloading from his Higgins boats, along with 132,000 other Allied troops storming the beaches of Normandy that day. He's leading his regiment into machine gun nest and minefields lining the beaches there at Utah Beach. Beloved by his men, witnesses said that Roosevelt remained calm while guiding successive waves of scrambling soldiers to the beachhead. He was not only the oldest soldier to storm the beaches of Normandy that day, he was the highest ranking American soldier to be a part of Operation Overlord that day. He was a veteran of World War I who actually re-enlisted in World War II. He had to petition hard just to get permission to lead his men into battle that morning. He was posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor. What a powerful example of devotion to country, to a cause, to people. The story is a reminder to me and to all of us that we can be devoted at any age and at any time. And I thought, well, what if we take a cue from Roosevelt? What if we had that type of unwavering and sacrificial devotion to Jesus and to others? What about our devotion to Christ? What would our churches look like if we had that kind of sacrificial devotion? I dare say the gates of hell couldn't stand up against it, right? When we return to our first love, we must remember that first love is devoted. Secondly, 
E is for emotional. When first love is emotional, it has passion. I can sense some of you may go, oh, Whitaker's going all touchy-feely on us. But first love is an emotion. It, by definition, is a feeling, right? You can't have love without some emotion. So picture the last major sporting event you were at. These are some of our Vista parents. You admit it. These are emotional displays for love for a team. And they're kind of silly examples, but first love is not silly. First love is generally unreserved, right? It's demonstrative. How often do we demonstrate our passion for God? How often do we kneel in prayer? How often do we raise our hands in worship? How often do we display our emotions because of the goodness of God? We need to embrace the beautiful, wonderful passion of first love. When first love is emotional, it's bold and unashamed. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Who here besides me gets choked up at baptisms? I mean, what we see happen in the waters up here transcends us to another place. It, it moves us because it should move us. Why? Because we are witnessing a demonstration of first love. That's first love. When first love is emotional, it's extravagant. Jesus puts it like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Sounds like our motto here at Vista, right? Love God, love people. It's all in. It's extravagant. When first love is emotional, it can be intense. I love the story of the road to Emmaus when the two followers of Jesus said, did our hearts not burn within us? When he talked with us and opened up the scriptures to us, when you, when you encounter the resurrected Christ, it's intense because it's an encounter with our first love for Christ. But can we take a moment and just be honest, though? If you're like me, sometimes our relationship with Jesus can feel transactional at times. We've said the sinner's prayer, we're going to heaven. But other than that, maybe the only real emotion or passion we have is detachment or indifference. We struggle with that. What do we do about that? Well, here's the thought. According to Stanford School of Medicine professor and author David Burns, he says it like this. When you change the way you think, you can change the way you feel. So to restore the emotion of first love, we need to adjust our thinking. Okay, in our family, we... We, when we're going to do an activity, we say we've got to put on our participants. <laughs> so, folks, we're going to put on our participants this morning, okay? And let's do a little experiment. Okay, sit up straight, a little straighter. Take a deep breath, and I want you to close your eyes. I'll have you reopen them in a minute, but close your eyes. And let's do this. Remember a time when you felt the Lord near 
Maybe during a dark time when a ray of hope shined through. Maybe it was a happy occasion. Maybe you experienced recently the goodness of Jesus and the kindness of a friend. Perhaps it was a time in nature. Perhaps, like earlier, it was a time of worship. Maybe it was this week. Maybe it was 10 years ago. Allow yourself to be in that place. Become aware of those feelings. Experience it again. Remember with gratitude the faithfulness of God. Okay, you can open your eyes. Good job. What we need to do is like Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.6, fan the flame of the gift within you. Practice remembering the goodness and the faithfulness of God and the emotions of first love will follow because first love is emotional. Thirdly, A is for attentive. Who in your life is attentive to you? Is it a spouse, a friend, a dog? Certainly not a cat. Thank you. Preach it. In our home, my dog meets me every day at the door to the back to the garage when I get home from work. So attentive to the needs of his master. So masculine. But I can't lie to you. That's not my dog. This is my dog. Don't yank my man card. This is our dog, Rosie. Jana named her. But she is attentive and she does meet me at the door to the garage and I chase her around the house. First love is attentive because it's focused. It's fixed on the object of its love. When first love is attentive, it's intentional and deliberate. The author of Hebrews puts it like this in chapter two, verse one. We must pay careful attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. When first love is attentive, it's curious. People, we do not have God all figured out. When was the last time we marveled at the mystery of God? What has been revealed to us in scripture through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's be curious because first love is curious. When first love is attentive, it listens and seeks to understand. Think about how many times in scripture Jesus repeatedly says, he who has ears, let him hear. It's as if it's what he's saying is, Mark, pay attention. Listen to me. Listen to what I am showing you. When first love is attentive, it listens and seeks to understand. Rick Warren puts it this way. We often miss hearing God's voice simply because we aren't paying attention. And when first love is attentive to the needs of others, it serves. Have you ever watched someone fall in love? I mean, had like a front row seat to the days, the weeks, and months of love unfolding. You may not know this about Jan and I, but we have three remarkable young adult daughters. And suffice it to say, we have seen some fallen in love. 
Suffice it to say that among the characteristics of first love that we have seen on abundant display is attentiveness. Our daughters and these godly young men, they are so focused, so curious, so intentional, so attentive to their beloved, right? Paying attention to all the special details. What if we paid that kind of attention to Jesus? Do we pay attention to Jesus? To the needs of others, to the movement of the Holy Spirit? Do we have eyes to see and ears to hear? Are we attentive to the needs of others? Because first love is attentive. Finally, R is for relational. We save the best for last. The good news of Christianity is not that it is a religion. It is that it is a relationship. The good God of the universe has gone to such trouble through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son to to be in relationship with us, right? God is jealous for us. When first love is relational, it's connected. I love how the message puts John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relationship intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. A Christian who lives apart from relationship with Jesus is disconnected from the power of Jesus and cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But connected in relationship to Jesus, those fruits of the Spirit will be a natural outpouring of our lives. According to James Bryan Smith, the secret to living a vibrant Christian life is relationship with Jesus. When first love is relational, it pursues relationship. Jeremiah 29, 13 says it like this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I think many of us believe in Jesus. We're just not in relationship with Jesus. Pursue relationship. It's an aspect of first love. When first love is relational, it spends time together. Again, in the message, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, this familiar passage reads like this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life and I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. I love this. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That sounds good, doesn't it? When first love is relational, it communicates. You cannot be in relationship with somebody and not communicate with them. I think sometimes the frustration I have with my own walk is that I am just not communicating with God. I am not seeking to communicate with God. We were not meant to live apart from relationship with Jesus. The whole point of his death, burial, and resurrection was to reconcile lost relationship. He is not asking us 
to strive for his love. He is asking us to abide in his love. Jesus is calling back to what moved us in the very beginning, and that's relationship. Because first love is relational. So this Memorial Day weekend, especially in light of this week, with all that we've seen happen and transpire, the tragedy at hand, let's remember, let's remember the love we had at first. Love for God and others. God is jealous for that first love. So, if you've been following along, we have seen that first love is about devotion, emotion, attention, and relationship. Say that with me. Devotion, emotion, attention, relationship. It's dear, D-E-A-R. So how can we remember and return each day and renew our first love for Christ and for others? Well, so here are some practical ways that I have for you to consider. First, pray dear Lord prayers. We very often start our prayers, dear Lord. Well, think of it this way. Start in your prayers declaring your devotion for God, asking him to rekindle the emotion that you had at first, paying attention to what he is doing in your life and the people that he brings your way and pressing into deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior. In our rule of life, we talk about pause and pray three times a day. What a great way to pursue relationship with Christ. Another idea is download the free Christian app, Lectio 365. Jan and I have come to really appreciate and value this Christian meditation app in the first in the morning and in the evening. Highly recommend it to you. You will be so glad you start incorporating that into your day. Perhaps the most godly thing any of us could do today or this week might be to just create some margin in our lives. What do we need to say no to so that we can spend time with God and pay attention to the needs of others? And if you're thriving in first love, that is great. That's where you're camping out. That is wonderful. So my challenge to you is how can you love the lost and hurting in a way that challenges your comfort zone? Remember, Christ has not lost his first love for us. He is the supreme example of giving his last full measure of devotion, right? He is passionate and zealous for us. He is emotional about the love he has for us. He is attentive to our needs and he has given his life so that he can be in relationship with us. So with all that said, we want to give you time now to pray and reflect. Jordan and the band are going to come in a moment, but I want you to feel free to sit or stand, pray or sing. If you want to take communion, there are stations at the sides and at the back. If you want to pray with someone, we will have volunteers at the back with orange lanyards on who would love to pray with you. Perhaps this morning, you recognize that you're hearing the, about the love of Jesus and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Now's a good day to have a first love. 
And they would love to talk to you and pray with you about that. Or maybe you're just like me. You feel a little bit like those Ephesians. Serving God, standing up for wrong, persevering in challenging times, looking at what's true versus what's not true. But you've lost some of that first love. And God is calling you back to that. He misses that in us and is asking us for that. And maybe today you just need to pray a dear prayer, declaring your devotion for God, rekindling that emotion, paying attention to him and pressing into that relationship with him. But as we like to say, whatever you need, be where your feet are and let the spirit do a work in your life this morning. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, we thank you because you are dear. Lord, your devotion to us can only be measured by the cross. Your passion, your emotion for us, Lord, is beyond our comprehension. Lord, your attention to us is perfect. You know our needs before we even ask them. And Lord, you gave it all so that we could respond and live in relationship with you. Lord, I bless my brothers and sisters. I pray that you do a work in our hearts. And we just give you this moment, this time, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.